Even in the present difficulties, God wants to bless your life. Pastor Ed Taylor explains. We're living in challenging times, and I think it's important that you know what God wants to accomplish in your life. He wants to use you, and He wants to love you, and He wants to heal your broken heart and the hurt that you feel and the fear that you experience. He wants to protect you and guard you. He wants to help you step into His will in a new and a fresh way like never before. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's not hard for challenging circumstances to obscure the greater and deeper things that God is doing and wants to do. So to be reminded of them or to hear of them for the first time is priority one, if we're to be hopeful. And with the Lord, we have good reason to be hopeful. Welcome to another Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in a series called Hope is Contagious. Here now from James chapter 5 on how to have hope in perilous times is Pastor Ed. I want to give you three things today that James gives us on how to experience hope in the midst of perilous times. And the first one is in verse 13. It says, if any one of you is suffering or afflicted or enduring hardship, if anyone is among you is suffering, let him pray. Point number one is hope comes through prayer. Is anyone suffering? I don't need to have a raising of the hands or anything because I know all of us are suffering in one way or another, facing different things, some worse than others, of course. But he says, if you're suffering, pray. Easier said than done, I know. At face value, it seems simple enough. But really, when we're suffering and when we're afflicted, when we're really going through it, the flesh loves to rise up in our lives. It loves to take root. It's almost like the flesh is saying, this is my time in this weakened state. Most often it's more like, if any of you are suffering, get upset, get mad, get depressed, write that post, send that email, yell at that person. It's almost like if any of you are afflicted or there's someone afflicting you, go after them, tear them down. Don't let them take any advantage of you. And you know, God predicted that in us. You know that, right? <laughs> remember back in the Old Testament or what's known as the Old Covenant? Remember that? You remember when he said an eye for an eye? Remember that? An eye for an eye. And the idea is if your eye's gone, go ahead. Justice would be to take their eye out. But rarely, have you noticed, rarely do we desire that type of justice. Usually what we desire isn't quite justice. It's vengeance. And this is what it sounds like. I'll take your eye and a little bit more. Or on a more personal level, you have hurt me so bad and I have hurt for so long. I want you to feel my pain. I want you to feel as bad as I have and a little bit more. And that's the old covenant. Eye for an eye. God knew that if he didn't limit it, 
then there would be, it would be massive. It would never end. It would never end. But we don't live under the old covenant. We live in the new covenant. The covenant of grace. The covenant that is laid before us by the very, every time we take of the communion elements, we're remembering the blood of Jesus Christ that entered us into a new covenant, not of our works, but of his work. And here's what Jesus taught us in the new covenant. It, it is so starting that people don't like it. They don't live by it. And Jesus said this, hey, you know, if somebody strikes you on the cheek, punch them in the gut. No. What does he say? Say it out loud. If somebody strikes you on the cheek, pretty much good variations. Turn the other cheek. Some of you go, well, I only have two cheeks, so the third time, it's over. It's on. But that's not the point. Jesus went on. He said, if somebody asks you for your coat, give them your coat and your tunic. There's a generosity now with pain and hurt. Oh, and not only that, if you're asked to go a mile, what are you supposed to do? We have the phrase, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. Oh, how about this? You go keep, keep going farther, keep going farther. When you're falsely accused and when you're lied about and when you are brought to the cross, fight your way out of it. No. Jesus laid down his life innocently. You see, if you're not careful, church, you're going to be listening to the wrong book. We have one document, one document that rules over our lives. You know what that document is? The Word of God. One document. We have one shepherd, the good shepherd. And he's not me or you or whatever popular voice. It's one shepherd, the good shepherd, that we hear his voice and we follow him. You see, I believe that hope comes through prayer because prayer immediately connects us to the God of hope, to God who laid down his life, to the God who saw wretched, wicked humanity doing wretched, wicked things. And out of love sent his only begotten son to die on behalf of sinful men and women. And lest we forget, we were the ones Jesus came to die for. Not just they, but we. You and me. Are you afflicted? Hopeless? Pray. Pray. I know this isn't easy for me. This isn't easy for me. No, I'm sure it's not easy for some of you. I'd rather fight my own battles. And I've made that mistake too many times. I'd rather give people a piece of my mind, try to argue them into submission. But I'm wrong every time I do that. I'm wrong because our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. It's a spiritual battle. It's in the spiritual realm. We have to fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. We don't want to find ourselves in a place of grumbling and grudges. We want to forgive. It's the new covenant. We don't want to find ourselves hypercritical and criticizing. We want to make a change. We want to submit ourselves to God. It's our lives. It's our lives that we control. I mean, think of this. Job in Job 13 verse 15 said, Though he slay me, I'll trust him. 
All that I'm going through, my personal pain, Job says, I trust God. I think of the psalmist when we learn in Psalm 23, like, like, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. I think of Romans chapter 8 at the end in verse 39. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And that's such an encouraging verse. Job, your faith encourages me. Oh, you know, David, if I ever get to the valley of the shadow of death, your psalm encourages me. Oh, Paul, writing to the Romans, nothing will separate. But you have to understand, there are seasons in our life where we're slayed. And there are seasons in our life where the valley of the shadow of death seems like it will never end. And there are times in our lives that it seems like every force of hell is trying to separate us from the love of God. How about the one that Jesus said? Jesus said something super encouraging. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He didn't say the gates of hell wouldn't come against the church. And it seems like every demonic attack is unleashed upon you and me, the church of Jesus Christ. But not everybody is going through trials, which brings us to number two, which is kind of cool. It seems a little out of place, but it's not. He says in verse 13, if anyone's suffering, let him pray. Then he says, if anyone's cheerful, let him sing. And so some of you just have the disposition of being encouraging and relatively happy in difficult times. Like you just have that that personality that it's not that you don't feel like the pain or anything. That's not true. You feel it like everyone else, but you have a disposition where you're cheerful more often than not. And for those of you that are cheerful, what does the Bible say? Sing. And you go, Ed, why? Well, because we need you and we need to hear your voice. We need to hear your voice in difficult times. Sing. In Ephesians, it says, the Bible tells us as believers to sing to one another. So try that this week. Just be walking through King Supers with your milk and your bread and just sing to the person behind the plastic protecting them. Just sing. What are you doing? Well, I'm doing what the Bible said. I'm supposed to be singing. Pastor told me to sing to you. What song would you like to hear? <laughs> sing your heart out. You know as well as I do, I already mentioned it, that we've been enduring online services, we've been watching online, maybe you've been watching another church, you're watching this church, you've been worshiping and it's been good, it's been great. I know I watch some friends of mine, I enjoy their services, I love it, I love it, I love it, but it's not the same as being here personally. There's just something about being in a room with other believers that God created us, and you walk in, like, like you get here, just think about today, some, someone here just, they, they got you, didn't want to come to church, didn't want to come, and you're on your way, and then somebody cut you off, you go, I'm just going to go home. And then you come up here, and some dude's yelling at you. Is he still out there? Some guy yelling at you with a bullhorn. He was earlier services, and you're like, I just can't make it. Why why is everybody so mad at me? I'm not going to, I'm going to go home. But you go, nope, I'm already here. Park your car, come through. You finally sit down, and then the first note of song start, and everything changes. You're like, oh, Lord. And the room is filled with the joy of the Lord. There's something about singing out loud. And don't you worry about people making fun of you. Don't worry about people laughing. Don't worry about anybody because you're singing unto the Lord. And if you're cheerful, sing your heart out because we need to hear it. We need to receive it. I love to be surrounded by encouraging people because it speaks to my soul. It speaks to my mind but also to my soul. 
that you would encourage me through singing songs. It's great too, because you sing whatever you want. You know, just, if you don't even know the songs, just make it up. Just sing whatever you want. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You ever sing songs for so long and you're just singing them, you enjoy them. Might even be your favorite song. And then you read the lyrics and you're like, oh, that's what that says. <laughs> Nobody cares. Just sing your heart out. Nobody cares if you get the words right because God sees the heart and we hear it. But some of you are like, well, you got that lyric wrong. You got that lyric wrong. Stop it. Let's sing together and let the Lord minister to us. If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing. And then the final one, notice in verse 14, it says, the root of hope in tumultuous times, perilous times. If anyone's sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. This is literally what it sounds like. If you are sick, call for the elders of the church, and the elders of the church will anoint you with oil and pray over you by faith, asking God to heal you according to his will. That's exactly what it means. Notice he also ties it spiritually to the forgiveness of sins. So there are spiritual implications of this as well. The Holy Spirit is often typified in the Bible by oil. So there's a sense of, of that acknowledgement of the oil, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the healer, Jehovah Rapha. This is literal. That's exactly what it means. But also let's step back for a second and consider an application in a moment because when you're sick, you should ask the elders to pray for you. Like when we started gathering together smaller groups uh, to test some things, you know, weeks ago, uh, somebody came up and said, hey, did you know so-and-so was in the hospital with COVID for over two weeks, you know, back in the beginning of it. And I said, no, how would I know? Nobody called. How would I know? How could, how could we know unless you call? And many times there's this frustration where nobody knew I was, in, but call us. If you call us, we'll come. Like, I don't know how we would navigate because they weren't letting people in the hospital, but we'll come in the parking lot and we'll take oil and we will throw it at the window of your room and we will pray over you. We'll find a way. There was even one of the visits that I was able to do that everything was locked down, but I was able to get in, kind of with permission, but I was way able to get in because God can make a way when there's no way. But if they never called me, I would have never gone because I wouldn't have known to go. And so there is that need to call. But let me take this to bring an application. Ready? When you're in crisis, call for help. When you're in crisis, call for help. I know it requires humility, and I know it requires, call the church. We're here. Text the number. Here's the number, 24-7. Ready? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 720-336-0897. Yes, that is a real phone number. 720-336-0897. Hearing this message in Texas, Florida, where this will be broadcast, New Jersey, all over the country, around the world, use that number. It's monitored. And we pray. And we'll find your help in your community if you need it. We'll give you an outlet of someone close, some church nearby that might be able to reach out to you. But call for help. Let alone that going out, you guys, when you're in affliction, call for help. You could call the church where the pastor's here. You could call a friend, a trusted mentor, a brother or sister. You guys that are younger, call for your parents. Get your parents involved in your life. Let them speak into your life. 
They love you. They want to help you. When in crisis, call. So hope comes from prayer. Pray, sing, and call. Simple enough, but powerful truths of where hope springs eternal from the Holy Spirit living in us, our relationship with God. And you know, it, it, it starts, we're never going to be able to make a difference in our culture until we have a real right relationship with God, right? The Bible says, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Then love your neighbor as yourself. So all true love first comes from God. He's the initiator, and it comes through us to others. We can't manufacture it. It's something God gives to us. We're to keep our eyes firmly fixed. Like everything starts and ends with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the author and the what? Finisher. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. It's everything to him, from him, in him. And he's the hope of, of our lives. Without him, we're lost as lost can be. Church, I know it's hard times. It's been very, very challenging been doing this a long time and most challenging time ever in my life. And we've dealt with some really difficult things in this church. But it's only steeled my resolve to love God and to love you. Remember John chapter 13 said that they'll know that we're real disciples by our love for one another. And I pray that God is taking you step by step as he begins to use you in a new and a fresh way. We think of last days and you think of all that's going on, I want you to think that as bad as it is, God said the closer Jesus comes, the harder it's going to get. And that even toward the last days, people's hearts are going to faint and believers or so-called believers are going to turn their back on the Lord. They're going to fall away. And it's God's desire that we come to him, the God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in mercy and truth, Psalm 86, 15, so that we can then take others directly to him as well. So if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, as the worship team comes back up, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, that is the key here. That's what's important. This is the time. You're watching online, listening I realize if you've been with us through the whole time, it's been some challenging things I've shared. But we're living in challenging times. And I think it's important that you know that I'm committed to the gospel. I'm all in. I'm all in, and I know many of you are all in, of what God wants to accomplish in your life. And he wants to use you, and he wants to love you, and he wants to heal your broken heart and the hurt that you feel and the fear that you experience. He wants to protect you and guard you. He wants to help you step into his will in a new and a fresh way like never before. And if you're, you've never given your life to Jesus, then you're, you're separate. Like there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between you and God, but God is inviting you into relationship with him. He's inviting you into relationship with him that you would repent of your sins and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I want to invite you to do that. Maybe you're watching online and I don't see you. But I want to pray with you. That today God would bring you to a place of surrender. For the very first time. A place of repentance. A place of the newness of life. For you that are watching or listening. 
We don't have the privilege of seeing you. I want to lead you in a prayer. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you could just simply talk to God, which is the basic definition of prayer. Where you can say, God, forgive me of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to die for me because you love me. And I want to dedicate my life to following you. I'm asking for your help, God, to turn my life away from sin and to submit my life to you. And anyone that prayed that, God, has heard your prayer. And it's not just words that save you, you know, it's God giving new life. And if you responded to the gospel and you're online or on the radio, go to our website, calvaryco.church. Scroll down to the bottom. How to know God is everything we give away here. You can print it out, save it, forward it, post it on your social media so that people know the next steps in following God. It's a readily available resource that Pastor Ed was talking about today on Abounding Grace, and we trust you'll take advantage of it. Pastor Ed, we trust there are those listening that prayed to receive the Lord and will go to our website where there's resources to help in their new relationship with God. But in the meantime, can you give us a little summary of those next steps you mentioned in following the Lord? Well, Larry, it's our heart not only to see a person one to Jesus Christ, but we also want to watch them grow and mature or be discipled in Jesus Christ. And discipleship begins with the, what, you know, what you term the next steps. Step number one, pray. Learn how to talk to God. And you don't have to have a perfect understanding of what prayer is or how to do it but rather just do it. Be in a position to pray. And one of the models you can follow is the, you may have even learned this in Matthew chapter 6, you can use the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, and just kind of go through the steps of each phrase and how it applies to your life. Not only pray, but read the Bible. And I suggest any new believer to read the Gospel of John. Just start in John, because not only is the Gospel of John there to bring a person to a saving faith, but also to strengthen a person in their faith. Thirdly, be sure you're in church. Fellowship with other Christians. The Bible tells us that that is a gift to us to share relationship with others. Uh, Number four, tell somebody about what happened. Tell someone what changed your life. The Bible says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And part of the bridge of preaching the gospel is to Share with them what God has done in your life through the gospel. It's a great door opener. And then, of course, when your church has offers opportunity, the next step of a believer is to be water baptized and to enjoy what's known as communion or the Lord's Supper, and, and also be ready to face the reality of trials and temptations, that things are not going to be as easy as, you know, you feel so good and it's exciting, got a new life, but there is a, a real enemy. We have a real enemy. The devil is real, and he wants to bring down a person that has newfound faith. Those are just a few, uh, but in our packet, I'm, I'm reading from our packet just the highlights on our website, calvaryco.church. Scroll all the way to the bottom and click the Know God tab. And all this information is there in much more detail. And I'm encouraged that you would not only be born again, but that you are taking the next steps. 
God bless you, and may you continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So good. So good. Thanks, Pastor Ed. And again, friend, if you go to calvaryco.church, you'll find some helpful resources and ways to get plugged in. If you'd like to hear this message or previous studies in the series, stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen to us through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. We also offer a podcast, and look for that where you like to listen to your favorite podcasts. Each month, we try to pick out a book that we believe can be of some help to your walk with the Lord. And this month, it's Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, authored by Mark Rogop. Now, this book seeks to restore the lost art of lament and will help you discover the power of honest wrestling with the questions that come with grief and suffering. We'll send you the book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Request it right now when you call us at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow for Abounding Grace when we'll pick up what we left off in our series, Hope is Contagious. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.